This portion of the show is brought to you by Allstate Insurance Agency in Flagstaff. This is the Jeff Orvid Show. All right, welcome everyone. Thanks for listening. Jeff Orvitz here with Angela. I'll tell you about that here in just a second. <laughs> Our weekly roundup. And I've got some, looking back on the week, but also some new stuff here, including theft in America. Yeah. There's a lot. Wow. Yeah, car theft. I mean, we all know it burglaries. happens, but when you see it in the numbers and... I know, like, I kept having to recheck this. Yeah. And I was like, that, that can't be real. There's <laughs> how, how could that many cars be stolen from one city? Where do they all go? Yeah. Uh, I, I've got, and I kind of wrapped it up with some Arizona data as well. But of course, a neighbor in California takes some of the headlines when it comes to theft, especially car theft. Yeah, they're car like five theft. times higher than us. Woo. Yeah, crazy numbers. Uh, talk about that, but also just corruption in America. I got something on Nancy Pelosi, the Pelosi fund. You know, if you can figure out what stocks she's investing in. You, you know, you make, she did yeah, like 65% or something last year return. Yeah. What was she? She does better than Warren Buffett. I know. Somehow she's huh. an expert in How is that trading possible? So I want to break that down for you as well. Plus review a, big, a few big things of this week, including the plan by Governor Katie Hobbs to take away your freedom of choice when it comes to your kids' education. Uh, it's been a big deal this week because she's really going after this ESA program of which, I don't know, maybe... I don't know how many people are, are you know, in, in private schools now in, in the state of Arizona. Because what was the number for ESA students? 70? You looked that Last up earlier in the week. I checked, it was like 73,000 on ESA. Okay. And some of those are were, have been for years, you know, like there's there's all kinds of categories for ESA. Yeah, it's been I around mean, for a while. now it's universal, yeah. but historically, you know, it was if someone needed an IEP or a 504 plan, you know, Things like that because of delays developmentally or, okay. or whatever. It's There's always like, okay. you know, ways people could get it before. But as far as the new ones, I, I'm not really sure. Well, I think there's but, about a million kids in the, in the, in the state yeah. going to school, students, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. And so so that's 7% already right there. But that that doesn't include the tax credit people and all the other people. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, we, we might be getting to the 10, 15% range yeah. of people that choose not to go to the public school, homeschooling, et cetera, et cetera. I think, I, I think we could easily see, and that's what they're fearful of. It's my assumption, you know, the, the teacher union backed people like Hobbs and all that is they're, they're fearful that this number could keep growing and it should keep growing because the public well, schools are trained. Yeah. So we and, could get to a 25% yeah. rate. There, really there could quickly. be a lot more people that want to do it and they, or they try it out and maybe they don't like it and they go <laughs> back or maybe they do like it and then their neighbors go and yeah, it could be a domino effect. Well, we'll get to that because you're, according to her plan, you're going to be forced to try it out. The, yeah, the public right. school, yeah. the public school, you'll have to try at the public school before you can take ESA money and go to the private school for just a hundred days. You just got to get yourself in there Wouldn't and, and then uproot yourself. A, like a, a new passing, passing of a new Yeah, yeah she thing? can't just do it through executive yeah, okay. order. Yeah. Right. But this is her plan, and she's going to put the pressure on it, especially considering we're probably entering, if you heard my interview with uh, LD1 Senate candidate Mark Fincham yesterday, he's talking about a half billion at least budget deficit 
that the um, legislature would face. So all of a sudden they got to start wheeling and dealing and negotiating. Yeah, yeah. Watch out people, right? Watch out. All right. If you're um, thinking about selling your home in the Flagstaff area right now, Hey, call Kelly Broadus with the Broadus properties group brokered by EXP. Uh, someone who you've heard many, many times right here on the program. She's got so many success stories when it comes to selling homes for top dollar in the Flagstaff area. Uh, and very quickly, Brian and Mindy, they wanted to move to Phoenix Wanted to get closer to their grandchildren. Kelly Broadus and her team went to work, sold their Flagstaff home in just two weeks and above asking price. If you want to talk with Kelly about all the options for you out there when it comes to selling your home and buying, I I always got to mention that they help people buy homes as well. Give her a call. She puts a lot into this advertising, uh, the photos, the research. Um, She's really passionate about selling homes at absolute top dollar. 888-446-446. 5602. It's Kelly Broadus at 888-446-5602 or go to Northern Arizona Finehomes.com. Okay, but let's switch gears a little bit. We'll get to all that stuff as we wrap up another busy week. Uh, I want to hit on crime in America. And if you subscribe to talkwithjeff.com, I'm trying to, and we're succeeding so far in what, just a week into, not even a week into the new year, putting out something every day or sometimes a couple things. And this morning I put out crime in America, 1 million cars stolen, 1.6 burglaries per minute, and $112 billion shoplifted. And it was data that's been compiled. And again, that's available up at talkwithjeff.com. Please check it out and share it and subscribe. It's data that's been provided by various, it's really insurance companies, things like that. Yeah, Even Capital yeah. One was in there, different insurance Probably groups. police reports to yeah, some Yeah, and extent, they get right? it from all like yeah. FBI crime data yeah. and, and, and what have you. Uh, okay, I, I've always got challenges with all these huge numbers, like how do they compile all this? Mm-hmm. I guess it's there. It's what we got. Uh, but the numbers are staggering, even if there are margins of error, which right, I would assume right. there always yeah. is, right? Um so yeah, uh, it, ch- check this out. So let's just a preview here. Over a million vehicles are stolen a year. Uh, and I already told you $733 billion through burglaries. Let's start with burglaries, actually. Uh, there's 1.6 burglaries that occur every minute in America. $733 billion stolen as of the latest compiled data. And that's from um, Insurify was the company. 89% of the burglaries go unsolved. 89 percent so well i'm not surprised surprised you know what though i I, with the cameras and stuff i'm kind of thinking it it should be lower than that but i mean still it's hard to find people even if you have their face i guess though maybe if you're a good burglar that gets away with it more than once you wear a mask or something like like the old days you got the full full on ski mask but you'd figure it's getting harder and harder with people that do have cameras. So many people have cameras at their doors or in their yeah. homes and this uh-huh. and that. And there's, I know there's, well, with the mask, you wouldn't be able to do facial recognition. But what about the eyeballs? But I guess they could have glasses. I guess anytime you come up with a crime deterrent, criminals yeah, they come find up a with. Way. Yeah, it's not yeah. like, oh, we finally did it. Crime stopped. Unless yeah. it's like that, that, um, that movie and that book, Minority Report. Mm-hmm. Remember that? And it's like, oh, we stopped all the murders. Yeah, but then they, they found happened. different ways and did like eyeball transplants and yeah. stuff like that. So uh, I guess anything's possible. Um, so most happen during the day. So you, you think about it. Oh, People they're coming are gone in at from night. Their house People are gone from or, their home. Yeah. yeah okay. At 12% that the stuff that's getting stolen from you is actually from someone you know. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah. 
that sucks. Uh, <laughs> Maybe your your friend or uh, you neighbor know, the, or something. The, or... the handful of people I know that have gotten their homes robbed, yeah. in some way, have they they suspect it was like a you neighbor, know, or a someone kid, that saw it, or uh, kid, one neighbor, of their kids, kid. or oh wow, okay. um, you know, someone that knew how to get in to the house and yeah, okay, family member or something like what, that. What state do you all think has the most, uh, the highest rate of burglaries. I'll give you a clue. It's, it's, it's close to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, it's not California. It's not California. Um, we talked about this state extensively when we drove through it and we've driven through it quite a few times, but when we took some time to drive through the kind of interior, the back roads and mm-hmm. all the abandoned buildings, and they have one of the worst governors in the country. Uh, this is the governor that wanted to take away people's Second Amendment right recently mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and said you basically couldn't have guns to protect yourself from all the crime. Right, right. right you remember right. her? That's Grisham? Well, at, New Mexico. And you, New Mexico. You couldn't go into the state without a two-week quarantine yeah, for COVID. <laughs> for COVID. This, she's still the governor. She's yeah. out of her mind. <laughs> um, New Mexico is the highest rate at 649 burglaries per 100,000 people, followed by Oklahoma, Arkansas, Washington state and Louisiana and Louisiana. I think New Orleans is now the highest. Um, I didn't get into violent. Yeah. The murders. Yeah. I, I actually have stats on violent crime, but I didn't put it in this article at talkwithjeff.com. Maybe I'll hit on that in the next couple of weeks, but New Orleans is the murder. That capital. is so surprising to me. Whew. I really don't rough. Uh, I don't know how they've managed yeah. to top the other States and cities and then not been able to get that back under control. You got to work pretty hard to do that, to topple other. Yeah. Cities like big such... cities with the inner city. I mean, maybe oh, yeah. New Orleans has yeah, an New inner Orleans city, has but, a lot of problems, but yeah. not as big as an inner city in you know Chicago or somewhere. Chicago's up there too. Yeah, yeah. I think they might be number two or three or something like that. Off the top of my head, uh, dialing it back to here here in Arizona, Phoenix has the sixth highest occurrence of burglaries um, as far as you know large large cities in America. So number six uh, with six thousand burglaries in uh in a year i think the stat is from 21 or 22 mm-hmm. there's always a lag time here uh so, and which one has the lowest big cities what do you think well i know what it is because i read the article but it's surprising but, yeah right? i'm surprised about that yeah yeah if, if i were to to you know make a guess that one probably would have been yeah in the top three for me you know it's not san francisco no it's new york city said so had the lowest, lowest amount of burglaries yeah. or maybe people have just given up <laughs> he just don't, don't even, even report, report it, it anymore. Yeah. Remember that old Seinfeld episode when he gets something ripped off and the cops come and he goes, we'll call you when we find something. Do you ever find something? Yeah. And the cop's like, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're never going to hear from yeah. him. Um, who are most likely to be burglarized? The age group. It's people between the age of 30 and 39. Mm. I don't know why. Why is that? Maybe they have more stuff. Maybe that's Maybe prim- they have that's a lot like of friends over. Well, that's or- prime uh, kind of spending time too. You're getting yeah. towards peak spending there at 39 into your 40s. I don't yeah. know. Maybe they just got a lot of stuff. Um, and then renters. So if you're a renter, you face a much higher rate of. Um, yeah, I wonder burglars. why that is too, though. Just because the neighborhoods or. Could be density of living too. Yeah. There could be a lot of apartment type yeah, situations, like, maybe, yeah. maybe even roommate situations. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm just I'm just speculating there. Okay, so that's burglaries. So Phoenix made. Number six there, as far as occurrence, if you believe all the stats and all the numbers. Since I, didn't, but what else do we have? Right? Yeah, this is from the FBI and all this. Everybody reporting crime throughout America. Stolen vehicles. This one was astounding. Yeah, Jeff spent Whew. like the, at least a half hour this morning. I kept looking. Um, yeah, and I keep st- not understanding how this could be true. 
Yeah, and I started like, and there are some discrepancies I found, which I did not put in the article, which afterwards I was like, well, this just sounds sounds off. But still, the discrepancies are still, the numbers are huge. Yeah, right. Um, over a million vehicles are stolen in America every year. So one million vehicles. Um, it's about two vehicles every second. Two vehicles every second, according to data uh, compiled by uh, LendingTree. Mm. So... Yeah, two vehicles every second. Uh, Arizona ranks 18th in vehicle thefts. And I thought it was much higher because I thought there's a lot of vehicles stolen in especially southern Arizona and then shuttled over the border. Yeah. But I was wrong or on that. Or they get Maybe. taken up north into the reservation. Yeah, but and, I, no, I, was, never I, was, found. I was wrong on that. Um, Arizona's 18th in vehicle thefts in the U.S. with 20,637 stolen as of the latest data. Which city has, in America, has the highest vehicle thefts? Get your yeah, head thinking. Yeah, this is another surprising yeah, one. Yeah, get your head thinking. You're, you're probably like, oh, it's got to be like San Francisco or... Yeah, big city. Detroit or yeah. um, Washington, D.C. or something yeah. like that, right? And I was just shocked. I was just blown away by this. And we just went through this. Um, uh, like five, six years ago. Was it five we or six dry, years ago? Yeah. Okay, five I, or six well, years we ago. Well, we stayed there, and I remember thinking... Is our car going to get stolen? Yeah, <laughs> man, we better be real careful here, because yeah. uh, you could just you could tell just being in the city. Yeah, okay, it's, um, it's in California. Most cars stolen in America, um, as far as population basis, not, not sheer like numbers, but per 100,000 100, people, yeah. Bakersfield, California. Yeah, it's just crazy to me. Yeah, Bakersfield. I looked up the population there. It's only 400,000 because I knew it's like, it's a decent sized city, but it's not uh, a very large city by any means. Yeah, you just, I'm trying to remember, is this near the farm area or? Yeah. Okay. Because I'm just, I'm having a hard time remembering. I remember Barstow in the middle of nowhere there. No, yeah, it's north of that. North of that, getting towards kind of that. um, By um, Sequoia and, you know, by the national parks there in the middle. But it doesn't have that feel like LA or something like that. I mean, it's kind of, it's a bigger area, but. Yeah, there's 400,000 Yeah, but it's just kind of surprising that, what what the heck's going on? Okay, Bakersfield, California, uh, 1,023 auto thefts per 100,000 residents. And according to this from LendingTree, from the data, they're saying 9,394 cars were stolen in a year. I don't quite understand that because I saw the reports of four, five, six thousand, something like that. Well, if there's 400,000 <clears> residents <throat> and 1,023 per 100,000, that's only 4,000. Maybe it's an area like, like Flagstaff, for example. You know, we were talking about this yesterday on the program that it's 74,000. But if you count the outlying areas, yeah, it's maybe 100, it's 110. Like the, so, uh, so maybe it's yeah, the area. Yeah. I couldn't clarify that. But, but bottom line, even if it was four or 5,000. Which I saw reports of that. I saw reports of six thousand, and and Lending Tree is reporting nine thousand three hundred ninety four cars stolen in Bakersfield. That's crazy. That's and a lot of cars. And we started thinking, like, where did they go? Yeah. Like, if it was just a straight up stolen car, and you're like reselling the car, you can't register it. You'd have. I mean. It, yeah. it has a VIN number. Yeah, You'd be, VIN. be reported stolen. So I, I did some research into this, and I guess a lot of them, 80-something percent of these cars are recovered that are stolen. So out of the million cars in America, they said it's like 85% or something like that. So the vast majority are recovered. I guess people steal them. There's probably some joyride stealing uh, thefts that happen where people, kids, and younger people, you go out and do something crazy. Car comes back trash, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's also they're coming back missing parts, yeah, or they're right. just dumped somewhere. 
So yeah. people will cut out the catalytic converter. People will cut out the alternator, the batteries, you know. Um, they'll go yeah. in and just – and then they part right. the things out and um, and get rid of it. It's not like over – like over in Asia, for example, I think a lot of cars get stolen, you know, in the way in the, the hinterland in, in Asia. Like from Japan or something, they wind up in parts of Russia and this and that, mm-hmm. right, Mercedes mm-hmm. and, and what have you and other – and Japanese cars, car brands. But anyway, yeah, I was so a lot of them are recovered. And it's just people are ripping the stuff off, selling it on the black market, I guess. Right. I, yeah. That's my assumption. Right. Yeah. I'm looking at some yeah. of the reports. Uh, the most likely vehicle to, <laughs> to get stolen, and a lot of you are like, oh, man, come on. Um, full-size pet Chevy pickups, hmm. most stolen in the nation at 48,206, followed by full-size Ford pickups, and then... Oddly, Honda Civics. It's yeah, like, that, I can see the Chevy and the Ford because yeah. there's a lot of Chevys and Fords Honda around. Civic. And if they're taking parts, then, you know, they're taking parts yeah, for a very common yeah. vehicle, <laughs> a Ford pickup and a Chevy pickup. But a Honda Civic. Honda Civic. It's kind of odd. Yeah. And then um, the most likely time to be stolen is between midnight and 1259 a.m. Nothing good happens between midnight and 1259 a.m., yeah. right? And, and then it's like the next slot is like 1 a.m. to 115, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. it's always that, those times. Um, they're actually down, though. I found this kind of surprising. Since 2007, it's actually 300,000 less cars being stolen than back in 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's rising up again. Since 2019, it cranked up by 25%. Uh, since 2019 and they, they attribute a lot of that to COVID of course. And a lot of people just were letting cars sit, uh-huh. you know, cause people uh-huh. are working at home and this and that. And so all of a sudden cars were kind of not being used as much. So they're sitting for a longer duration. Maybe you could scope them out and then yeah. go take it, like, learn your yeah. uh, patterns. Well, and, and they've habits. gotten more expensive too. I mean, that could be an issue. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, hey, have you gone to buy parts and stuff like that? Well, uh, and a, or a new car. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, let's see, rounding that out. So metro areas, the top five, Bakersfield, Denver. So it is metro areas. So maybe that's why Bakersfield had that higher 9,394 car, almost <laughs> over so 9,000 cars stolen. Area yeah, too. Bakersfield, yeah. Denver at number two. Denver had 28,000 cars stolen. <laughs> yeah, I did the math on that. That's 77 per day. That's crazy. Like 77 cars divided stolen by 365, per day. 77 per day. Insane. Uh, Pueblo, Colorado had 1,500 cars. Albuquerque, go go New Mexico, 6,000 cars. And Portland was at 17,084 cars. And like I said, Phoenix was in there at uh, at number six. All right, love your thoughts. Talk with Jeff. I still got to get to um, see if we have time to hit on. Uh, what's the next one? Next category? Shoplifting. Shoplifting. Yeah, these, that, that'll take a while because it's staggering on the shoplifting side. Love to hear from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Hey, if you um, turn on your heat and it's going to get really cold. It's a storm yeah, coming through. Yeah, single digits coming. Yeah, I think Sunday. And it's like single digits in high country. Uh, highs of the 20s. It's going to be like snow chances down to like 3,500 feet. Uh, Gettle's High Desert Mechanical is there for you to get your heater fixed back up and running, Uh, whether you're in the Prescott area, Verde Valley, Sedona, Flagstaff, uh, northern and central Arizona. Just remember that. Gettle's High Desert Mechanical, they'll help you out. 928-567-2200. 928-567-2200. Or visit them online. See all their great services, including new, new HVAC systems, retrofitting, all of that stuff, and plumbing. Don't forget plumbing gettles hdm.com that's g-o-e-t-t-l-s hdm.com gettles hdm.com back in there
Hey, if you're listening to the podcast, please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there. If you're not listening to the podcast, subscribe. Look up the Jeff Orbit Show. Also on video, Rumble, follow us there. And on YouTube, subscribe. We appreciate everyone who's done that. You're listening to the Jeff Orbit Show. Timberline Firearms and Training, five minutes north of the Flagstaff Mall where you can get all kinds of different training courses to bring you up to the next level and safety courses too when it comes to owning firearms. Call them up right now, book one of their courses, do this. This is so important when it comes to uh, preserving and protecting your Second Amendment rights, but also owning and operating firearms safely. Timberline Firearms and Training, 928-526-7900, 928-526-7900, or take a quick drive five minutes north of the Flagstaff Mall with it. They have the indoor shooting range, ammunition, Liberty safes, firearms, accessories, and much more. Timberline Firearms and Training. All right, Angela's here with me. I should clarify, she's here. She is going. I told you yesterday she's gone for like the next 10 days and wasn't going to be on the show. Didn't realize her flight was like the red eye really, really late. So Yeah, um, I'm she's still here. Yeah, she's still here. Until <laughs> this afternoon. Yeah, so. Well. Yeah, told I mean, she flies out late tonight. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah red eye flight. <laughs> and she's and, and, and she's going to be sleepy. Yeah. Really sleepy. It's going to be a rough well, adjustment yeah. tomorrow or the next yeah, day. I don't fine. even know. It'll be okay. You'll be okay. I'm not trying to. Yeah. Shoplifting. Don't shoplift while you're at the airport. (laughs) Because you may or may not get caught according to the stats here. Finishing up crime in America. Um, Stores across America lost $112 billion. um, In This was uh, data, I think was 22 or 21. And they are expected to lose $140 billion by 2025, according to Capital One. 58% is cargo theft. So trains, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one out there in, in uh, Williams at a truck stop or something a couple months back. Two, two, two um, um, what are it called? Semis mm-hmm. got cut into while somebody was inside and there's a bunch of electronics stolen. Mm. Yeah. Crazy. It's happening everywhere. 2% mm. get caught. <laughs> Again. 2% just, get caught. Yeah, hard to find. Average shoplifting cost retailers 461 bucks. Um, a lot of the returns are fraudulent. 10% of the returns that are, people are bringing back yeah. are fraudulent. Um, get this stat. Over 9% of Americans shoplift. So <laughs> nearly one in 10. Um, one in four shoplifting happens. Uh, one in four shoplifters are, are between the ages of 12 and 16. Or one in four that are 12 to 16 years old are shoplifting. So 25% of that age group has shoplifted. Um, And then 28.5% of theft is done internally by employees. LA has the highest rate, uh, followed by San Francisco, Houston, New York. So New York has a lot of shoplifting, but not a lot of burglaries, apparently. Or car theft. Yeah. LA and San Francisco, I might add, you know, it's like there's no no, surprise there. There's no penalty up to like 950 bucks. California had the highest amount stolen, 8 billion bucks stolen. Uh, Arizona's kind of in the middle, according to the report, um, 1.5 billion uh, in revenue and in, in th- lost theft in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, but Arizona is like 24% lower than the average among states. Theft of $1,000 or more is a felony and they crack down pretty hard on the under amount as mm-hmm. well, you know, yeah. under $1,000. Yeah. Uh, re- re- return fraud cost Arizona retailers an estimated $1.6 billion, uh, bringing total losses as high as $3 billion. Uh, $84 million in lost sales tax revenue in Arizona and... Um, Let's see, fraud totaled $91.2 million, bringing the total of lost state tax dollars in Arizona to $175 million. Hmm. So there you go. 
it's close to half the budget deficit. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> yeah, so that's some crime stats in America. I found it fascinating, especially the auto one. I was just yeah, blown away on yeah. that. I was just absolutely blown and away. If, if some of these thieves and shoplifters would use their time to, for something productive, <laughs> because you know some of them are good at what they do, that's why they're not getting caught. Oh it's yeah. Like if you have your brain, you know, yeah. it works in yeah. certain ways. You know, it just seems like uh, maybe they, they like do the, something productive. Um, the freedom. And the job security. You never run out of it, right? There's always going to be people to buy yeah, stolen parts. The rest parts. of us are carrying the bill Oh, on yeah, that. of course. That's that's the way it goes. All right, love to hear from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Uh, hey, um, I do have something in the next hour on, on the Pelosi portfolio. We aren't as fortunate to know <laughs> and be such wizards uh, when it comes to finance as the wonderful Nancy Pelosi from San Francisco. She but has so much time. She has so much time. Yeah. Somehow she yeah. has a lot of time to all this time to research, to make all this and, money. But yeah. uh, next best thing here to Pelosi would be <laughs> Glenn's going to kill me. Glenn least with WT <laughs> wealth management. Uh, give him a call. Uh, I think you're going to find he shares a lot of the same values as you do. That's why I have him on the program so much and he'll be back on real soon. I think his, um, he, he's airing this weekend. I, no, it shows on next weekend. Sorry. Anyway, uh, Glenn Lee with WT Wealth Management would love to get the power back in your hands when it comes to investing. You know, he talks a lot about the woke crap that's going on and all that and how to avoid that. And they've actually got a specific portfolio for that as well. Uh, call Glenn Lease, get a complimentary consultation at 928-225-2474. That's Glenn Lease at 928-225-2474. Back in a minute. Hey, if you're listening to the podcast, please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there. If you're not listening to the podcast, subscribe. Look up The Jeff Orbit Show. Also on video, Rumble, follow us there. And on YouTube, subscribe. We appreciate everyone who's done that. This is The Jeff Orbit Show. All right, welcome back. Jeff Orbit's here. Angela's here with me. Her last show, I promise you. For <laughs> I'd said yesterday. I'll just be gone next week. Is yeah, that? next week is it. And maybe I'll get you to do a call in and do a Greek update. Mm. That'd be that'd be fun. Right. But the time change would be jacked up. Yeah, it's nine hours. Oh, okay, this is probably going to be tough. Going to work. Maybe we could pre-record. I'll have something to do something. Yeah, yeah, in the morning here. Yeah, and you can yeah. play it later. Well, you're stopping off in um in Italy first in Rome. Yeah, we're going to. And I don't even want. I don't even want to see the pictures of the food because I'll be like, oh. It looks so good. You had your chance. To I know. Go, I'm, not like, complaining. You go. I'm not complaining. He told me I'm you not go. Complaining. All right. Um, <laughs> one of the big issues of the week is this plan that came out from Governor Katie Hobbs, who absolutely hates school choice. She does not want your kids to go to school of their choice. She doesn't want families to decide for themselves. She wants you in the government school, regardless of how jacked up that government school may be. You stay in there. It doesn't matter. If they're a D grade, you go to that school because the teachers unions love me. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just so ridiculous. But anyway, she came up with this bizarre plan. Where do you hear, hear some of this? I, I caught up with Matt Beinberg earlier in the week from the Goldwater Institute to give us details on what's in this plan, if it makes it through the process. The governor announced yesterday a whole suite of, of uh, ideas, policy proposals that really are just the latest salvo of an attack on, on parents' rights and, and private school uh, autonomy and private education in the ESA program, the Empowerment Scholarship Account. So that's a whole series of, of proposals that uh, she claims are to bring transparency and accountability to the ESA program, but as you kind of alluded to, really boil down to, to really just one word, which is control. 
uh, to bring all of this ESA private at-home education under the control of the state and under the proposed rules and micromanagement of the administration. So we can kind of dive into the details, but, but really, yeah, you know, I think the, the most telling summary of this is, uh, you know, this is claimed to be to improve the program and strengthen it. This is really just this year's version of what the governor came out with last year when in her budget, she came out and said, we need to completely roll back this new program. We're, whereas now all students in Arizona are allowed to be on it. Her office came out last year and said, no, this is unacceptable. We want to rip it away from all of these kids who are not part of the original program. Obviously, conservative lawmakers stood up to her and said, absolutely not. That's not happening. They defended it. They defended the program. And so now she's coming at this with a new uh, line of attack, ostensibly, again, to improve the program, but essentially trying to kill it death by a thousand cuts. How is she going to do that? Okay, last I checked. And, and I've talked a lot about napkins and crayons today as far as just my basic knowledge of math and just how government works. I can kind of write it on the back of a napkin with a crayon. But my understanding is the governor uh, is the executive and the legislature makes the laws. In this case, they created the ESA program. Is she trying to do something through executive authority or is this a hopeful plan that she hopes to get control of the legislature with Democrats perhaps and then change the law? What, how, how is she trying to attack this? Yeah, this is uh, only partially fleshed out so far, but essentially a list of proposals that, that they're pushing for. So presumably to, to stake out for this legislative session um, and try to get past to, to change state law and shoehorn in and force a bunch of these changes that they want to see to weaken and undermine the program. Okay, Matt, she's brought up, and I see the word transparency mentioned a lot. I see the word safety. I don't look. My kids go to a private school. We use the tax credits, but I know plenty that are going to these private schools through the ESAs. I think seventy-two thousand plus are utilizing this out of what one point one million students in Arizona, something like that. Um, I don't hear a lot of safety issues. I don't. I, I haven't heard. I've heard of some cases of issues where people were buying things that were very questionable, but it, it definitely seems to be the exception, not the rule. Yeah, and essentially what this looks like, again, you mentioned those kind of buzzwords that she's thrown around, safety, transparency, accountability. But when you look at this, all of these programs, all these proposals boil down to the idea of trying to undermine state law. Arizona state law right now is very clear. The State Board of Education, the state do not micromanage private schools. They don't go in and say, here's how you have to operate, here are your practices, here's your curriculum. All of these proposals from the governor are to wind that back and rip off those protections. So, for instance, whereas private schools, can hire qualified teachers based upon who they think is going to be able to teach the kids the best. This proposal goes in here and says, no longer are you allowed to do that. You're going to have to only hire approved teachers that we think meet the checklist of requirements that we've said for certification. Mm. So for instance, that means that just like in our district schools where you have to have these certified teachers, which means go through an education degree program. Usually these are from very left leaning, ideologically driven, you know, teacher preparation programs that, that don't actually promote subject matter expertise you have to go and check one of these boxes in order to be a teacher. You could be a brilliant subject matter expert, but if they say, nope, you don't happen to do this, then, then they're going to ask you. Now, Arizona has been a leader in school choice and autonomy for teachers. Our charter schools, our public charter schools, have freedom to hire teachers based upon their ability, not having to go through the certification process. And yet Governor Hobbs now seems to be positioning uh, herself to say, we want to force private school operators to come in and have to only get these teachers who've gone through the sort of union-endorsed pipeline of preparation as opposed to saying, yeah, you'd be a great teacher and you would like to do this. So again, to go in there and fundamentally change 
something as core as who private schools are allowed to hire yeah. has nothing to do with student safety. Uh, again, it's hard to argue that, that parents are not choosing private school because they have bad teachers, right? They're choosing private school because they think it's an excellent education. And so for the governor to claim that there is any uh, justification to go in and suddenly say only state-approved teachers can be hired is absurd, right? It is not based upon anything other than an attempt to micromanage and, and fundamentally undermine and ultimately destroy the independence of these private schools. Well, I guess, Matt, I didn't really think about that when <clears throat> the ESA program got championed here in Arizona. I pushed for it. I'm uh, glad that we have this and that kids have more choice. Family have, has more choice. But I, I maybe didn't think through that, and I should have, that once there's some funding, taxpayer funding involved in anything, they would then try to sink their claws into it. And that seems to be what's happening here. It's, hey, you're getting that backpack of money that follows your kid. Let's call it 7000 bucks or so. So now we have some kind of jurisdiction because it's being uh, utilized with taxpayer dollars. That seems the avenue they're going at it with. Well, that's, that's one of the, the lines of attack. But if you, you know, if you look at this and you look at states like California that has passed radical bills, there's, there's a sense of maybe if, if they'll just leave us alone, right? They say, well, if, if we're just going to set aside programs like the ESA or tax credit, maybe they'll just leave us alone. And yet we've seen that when the left gets power in states like California, they push legislation that penalizes parents in other states. Now, they had legislation that if you were a parent and didn't support the gender transition of your students, you could go to California. I mean, these are things that impact states that have nothing to do with the regime of, of, of the left, there's this sense of, well, if we just leave well enough alone, they'll leave parents and kids alone. You know, it's wishful thinking. But no, the left has been very clear that they view control over the education system as a goal, right? There's nothing to say that private education or home-based education or any of these things are somehow inoculated from the ambitions of the left. Clearly, they use any, you know, uh, fig leaf uh, that they can as an excuse to go after these things. But, but all of these are fundamentally about the, the left and the teachers' unions want only one form of education, which is the one that they dominate. Yeah, the, so, the government this, school. This yeah. prescription here is to, it's to allow private schools to exist, it's to allow the ESA program to exist, but only if they now function essentially as carbon copies of the public yeah, school yeah. system. Those they, families have tried so desperately to escape. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to escape all this, and, 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 and I'm one of them that left the, the public school system, that, that, especially during COVID. Let's, let's bullet point a few of these here from her plan. Um, requiring accountability for taxpayer dollars. She wants to ensure that any purchase over $500 goes through a, a manual process. Well, maybe I'd want that too for the public schools. I mean, are they accountable? So they she, basically they want to create a bureaucratic nightmare. Every little thing you do, you would have to well, get so approval. Yeah, I mean, this actually betrays the ignorance of, of the Hobbs administration about this program. Right now, it's actually extremely strenuous on parents what they have to go through in order to participate in this program. They have to actually already document all of the purchases they make. They have to submit receipts. All these things are already subject to review. They're actually trying to help streamline and automate this to make it a less cumbersome process. And so for her to go out and say, no, we're going to demand a different process or a manual process, there is absolutely, you know, the, the state laws say here are the list of expenditure categories that you can make. And there's always going to be some dispute about whether something is educational in nature or not, right? There's going to be some gray area there on some of these purchases. And that's what the department has laid out and the State Board of Education has laid out rules to guide and say, here's the things that fall within or without, and then adjudicate those kind of on-the-fence uh, uh, individual issues. But the ESA program already now requires every purchase to be going through one of these curated lists of this is approved or this is not or to be having a, an expense receipt, a receipt, all sorts of purchase information 
uploading. So again, this isn't trying to address a problem. This is trying to, to really just score political points uh, with an ignorance of how the program actually works, which already entails far more accountability than you see in the public school system. Well, check out this one. And we're talking about Matt Beinberg from Goldwater Institute. Um, and to get this right, Matt, he's the director of education policy at the Goldwater Institute, and he also serves as a director of the Institute's Van uh, Sittert, is that my pronouncing that correctly, Center for yep. Constitutional Advocacy. And he's also an education guru, so we'll go with that. Um, but check out this one, prohibiting price gouging from, from Hobbes' plan here. Stop private schools receiving taxpayer dollars from hiking the cost of tuition and fees at a rate higher than inflation. Uh, look, I can attest to this. The private school my kids go to is, let's call it approximately $9,000. If I were to engage in the ESA program, it's about $7,000. So I already have to kick in some money there. But the cost of the public school, from what I'm being told, is like $13,000 per kid as far as what it's costing. So what, what, what's she talking about here? Uh, she's, she's, again, clearly this is a, a political hit job on this because this argument of trying to make it sound like private schools are taking money and the term price gouging, right? To say these are, uh, you know, greedy for-profit groups that are out here without concern for student well-being or education, just trying to rip out every last dollar uh, from these students and trying to set this narrative that, that this is, again, some sort of uh, wrongly motivated education sector. When you actually look at the data, as you mentioned here, the, the private schools in Arizona, the meeting, we've, we've actually put out information on this and, and are, uh, have more coming out. The median private school tuition in Arizona is about $7,000 a year. Okay. The per pupil average spending for the public school system is over 14000 So that <laughs> means private schools, your typical private school, costs half what we're spending as taxpayers on the public school system. And even over the last two years, as inflation has been going up and as public schools have increased their spending significantly, private school tuition rates have actually not gone up any faster than those. Okay. So they're trying to make this case as if, look, we gave this ESA program and now private schools are just taking all the money and running with it when actually private school tuition is far less on average than it is at the public schools for the total cost of taxpayers. Wait, Matt, and, and I was using a white napkin. Maybe I was using the white crayon and couldn't see the math because her, her opening statement here says that the ESA voucher program that is projected to cost the state nearly $1 billion. Well, I argued this last hour, same thing you just said, 7,000 7, uh, versus 14,000. I was saying uh, 7,000 versus 13,000, whatever. It's a, it seems to be a savings. How does she get away with saying it's costing the state a billion dollars? Maybe it's costing certain school districts money because that money's not in there as much anymore and it's going to other schools. Yeah, well, you, you started out how you get away with this. You get away with it because you have you know essentially media outlets that are willing to carry the water on this. Um, when they say something like this program costs a billion dollars, I don't know the last time we ever heard them say how much the public school system costs <laughs> taxpayers, right? We spend some $16 billion a year on students in the public school system in Arizona. So when they say it costs a billion dollars, they don't mean it's increased cost by a billion dollars. They're just saying that every time you have a special needs kid with an ESA or a student from the foster care system or now under the universal system, any, any student, when they say it costs all this money, they're not saying it costs this much more money. <laughs> than if it were somewhere else. Every kid, if, if you have all these kids and they choose a public school, it's going to cost a lot more than a billion dollars. If those kids are in the ESA program, it's less. So yes, there are some students who were not being funded before. If they were families who were in private education or homeschool education and they didn't have the benefit of a, a tax credit scholarship or anything like that, yeah. you do have some families who were not being supported. But those were families who were paying their property taxes every year to support other children. And like the governor's family, herself, the governor's, you know, has admitted 
her family sent her to a private school and had to sacrifice financially. She said we were on food stamps. Mm. So just because a family is making that financial sacrifice, the governor and the left now suggest, well, their, their kids are unworthy and undeserving of support, even though they would happily spend the ten or $15,000 per kid if that student walked in the public school today because it's under the influence of their allies, the teachers' union. Well, let's end with this um, gem here, Matt. Uh, reinstating eligibility requirements. Students participating in the Universal ESA voucher program must have attended a public school for 100 days at any point in their education prior to becoming eligible for the ESA voucher program. I translate that to you got to try our thing first before you can decide to go anywhere else. That's right. Now, it, it would essentially say that uh, even if the family knows that the public school nearby is underserving kids, it's underperforming, it's mismanaged, it's fraught with whatever issues that you are still forced to go there for 100 school days <laughs> before you are allowed to escape, even though there is nothing like that in state law. Right now, you can, you can escape a school district and go to a different school district. Because they don't, they don't mind as long as you're staying captured within the public school system. But this would be just to say you are not allowed to do an ESA unless you have already spent 100 school days, that's several months, a semester essentially of time in one of these schools, even if you know, hey, this isn't working out. So um, why you would tell a parent of a first or second grader that they know this isn't working for them, sorry, you need to invest half a school year worth of time in an environment that's going to fail your student uh, before you can get uh, an opportunity elsewhere is yeah. indefensible when it comes to the outcomes of the students. Yeah, I think the writing's on the wall on that one. If you can't, if you can't read between the lines on that, folks, um, you, you see where they're trying to go with this and how, uh, in my opinion, uh, the union's got their claws uh, into this and into her uh, to make sure you stay in that government school. Matt, hey, I appreciate it. I'm going to put a link in the podcast once that gets out here in just a little bit uh, so people can also see your article as well. Uh, you keep up the good work, um, and we'll keep fighting this as well. This is a, a huge issue that we want to make sure people continue to have uh, the choice when it comes to their, their education in the state of Arizona. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. If you want to find out more about owning physical gold and silver, call Desert Gold Exchange. Justin and his family-run company, they're, they're the best out there. I've been buying physical gold and silver for, from them for years. Uh, mention a Jeff Ward show. They'll treat you like gold, plus you get a free investor's kit. They have the guaranteed lowest commissions and fees out there because they keep their overhead low, and they pass those savings on to you. Call them up, Desert Gold Exchange, 888-852-4343. That's Desert Gold Exchange at 888-852-4343. Back in a minute. Okay, that's it for this hour. But next hour, I want to get into the um, Pelosi fund Mm. and how she is such a genius investor. Plus, I want to get more into the big news, the the non-celebratory news of America entering a new threshold when it comes to our national debt. $34 trillion and counting. I haven't checked the numbers in a couple of days, probably even much more. Don't go anywhere. A lot more to come. Hang tight. Back in a few.
Thanks for listening to the Jeff Orton Show. Portions of this show may be pre-recorded. And remember, the information provided on the show does not constitute legal, medical, financial, or tax advice. All information is the opinions of the host and his guests. You should always seek the advice of a professional regarding any of these complex issues to make sure all circumstances of your situation are properly considered. This portion of the show is brought to you by American Trailer, just north of Flagstaff. This is the Jeff Orvid Show. All right, welcome back. Hour two of the show. Angela's still here with me, but she her time is short here, so she's got the, the red eye to take Isabel over for her exchange mm-hmm. thing in Athens. Not looking forward to the traveling, but it'll yeah, be you fun have a once fun we get trip, there. Yeah. yeah. And she's going to come back. I keep joking with my daughter, Isabel. They're, they're both going to come back like wearing togas. Is that what they call them over there? They probably don't call them togas. They don't wear togas over there. What is, what is, the, what is the thing like Socrates wore? With the- well, we call them a toga. I don't know what they call them a toga. <laughs> and a harp. <laughs> it's like carry on on the way back. Can you put my harp in the overhead? I don't know. It'll be good. Yeah, it'll, it'll be it'll good be once we get fun. there. You yeah. got your euros? I have some euros. So you can buy your year. year Euros, euros. Is that yeah. this, they call it. I call them gyros. <laughs> yeah. And you go to a Greek restaurant here, <clears throat> and you say, "Hey, give me a gyro." And they like, "It's euro." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Yeah, but I've been to Greece twice, and over there they call them gyros." <laughs> yeah, I think they call them. <laughs> that's gyros for the Americans. Just for the Americans. Yeah, though. but that's what they call them yeah. over there when you go to a place. Yeah. They're like, and they and they have, they're really into French fries too. How many yeah, places? They always have fries. Yeah, we you, here it's like they give you a side salad or something and your gyro, yeah. Yeah. gyro. And um, over there it's just like gyros and french fries. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you don't know until you actually travel to someplace what's going on mm-hmm. there. So mm-hmm. be interested to see that. Yeah, maybe you'll report in. Um, we have the nine I'll hour try. time difference. Yeah. But, um, I can make it work. We'll, we'll maybe pre record something. It'd be yeah. interesting to give, give everyone an update as to what's going on in, in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't tell us about the in, food. In two thousand two, a while. No, well, we went to Greece in 05, 05. 02 and oh five. Okay, we and went then to we went to Germany. That was our last trip to Europe, and that was in oh nine. Yeah, with the exception of it's been quite a few years. I mean, yeah, we haven't been to Europe since then. I mean, we maybe went to Costa Rica, went to been into Canada, yeah, Mexico, Mexico a couple times. And, but as far yeah. as leaving the continent. Yeah. Uh, it's been long. You, you guys will have a good time. All right. Love to hear from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Let's get to some some items items of concern. Before I do that, though, item of concern is that big crack in your windshield or that chip right in front where you can't see, right, or the sun glares weird, and then you get pulled over, and you get a ticket, and you're like, oh, it would have been much cheaper if I had just gotten a diamond auto glass and gotten this fixed instead of being lazy or forgetful. I shouldn't say lazy because maybe you're just busy. You don't have time to stop yeah. for that. But, hey, you do have time because it takes like 10 to 15 minutes to get a rock ship repaired at Diamond Auto Glass, um, and they'll do a great job for you. You need a new windshield, they'll take care of that. They do the camera alignment and all that because you probably got a camera. If you have uh, newer vehicles, and Angela and I do, most likely there's a camera. So that way you can pull up the last hour we were talking about um, auto theft. You can pull up the person stealing your car <laughs> yeah. and watch, no, that's my car, as they're driving away with the mask on. <laughs> anyway, Diamond Auto Glass will take really good care of you. 928-779-4140. 928-779-4140. Or go to thedifferenceisclear.com. It was staggering, though, last hour, talking about the the thefts, the burglaries. Yeah. Oh, um, what was the other one? 
car thefts, burglaries, shoplifting. Yeah, and, they, and then home. The, so yeah. many hundreds of billions of dollars that are lost. I guess it's not totally lost because that's the weird thing about the economic data that they report. As far as I know, and it's such a complex thing when they come up with GDP and all that, it's like probably considered a loss over here. But I wonder if they balance it out because it's not like somebody's stealing a catalytic converter and it's being sold somewhere mm-hmm. more than mm-hmm. likely, right? Yeah. So there still is in the underground economy in the black market, there's still an economic activity. Right. It's not a legal economic activity. Yeah, because it's not like they're paying tax yeah. on it when yeah. they get the income on it. I, I mean, what's the GDP of Mexico if you um, factor in drugs? Yeah. What was the GDP of uh, Colombia back in, uh, what's his name, Pablo Escobar's time when he was probably the richest man in the world, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. just not legitimately factored in, but... It's still happening. Yeah, it's still, The item is still out there. Yeah. I'm not saying, hey, this is a good thing. I'm just saying that there's yeah, still a whole economy. Sold, though, I mean, pl- plenty of people shoplift and they they go and, you know, wear true, the clothes true. or eat the food or whatever Yeah, but those cargo thefts was the big part of the uh, loss for retailers, uh-huh. meaning that uh, uh, semis being, you know, taken um, or, or they're going into the uh, train cars, yeah. right? That happens a lot. Right. I've talked with Sheriff Driscoll before on that. Um, happens all over the place in rural areas, all over. Um, that's being sold. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm certain, you know, that that's, and probably, organ, yeah. it's probably organized, uh, organized oh, crime, sure. organized yeah. theft. Yeah. And, you know, people go do it and then they sell it in, you know, on the black market in the alleys and stuff at 50 cents on the dollar, whatever the heck it is. Yeah. So still a massive economic, thing, but still lost compared to, because they sell it at a discount. Right. I'm yeah. just saying that it probably... Who knows what the real numbers are? Who knows what right, the real numbers yeah. are? Who knows what the real numbers are when it comes to um, Pelosi? Yeah, I wish I knew what she knows. Well, Nancy Pelosi, I'm looking at DailyMail.com. Nancy Pelosi's stocks, trades, saw, stocks, trades, stock, trades, saw a staggering 65% return last year. Very good. I'm glad Who that knew? she's doing she so well. She knew so much about How that. How do these politicians do it? They come into office. They really have no life skills other than being like class president and then going to college and then going and working for, as an intern for usually and then running for state legislature and mm-hmm. then getting elected moving to Congress up, yeah. and moving up the chain. And then they retire, become lobbyists maybe, so they can lean on the people and all the influences they know, make laws that benefit them and et cetera, et cetera. Um, who would have thought? Where do they find the time to learn so much about uh, the stocks and the trading and it's crazy, investing. You know, it's amazing because, you know, I, I, I see all these bureaucrats with a clipboard that create these huge, intricate PowerPoints on how everything's going to work. Like we're talking about mm-hmm. Sedona mm-hmm. tried to do the thing with the housing. They got an affordable housing issue there. And Angela and I both say, well, it's never going to be affordable. There. Stop trying. Stop yeah. trying. They come up with all these plans and spend thousands of man hours or women hours, people hours. <laughs> they, them hours to come up with these plans to, uh, you know, address issues. Right. And, but they have no experience. They've never been in, yeah, in the housing it's all market. theoretical. Yeah. And then there's stuff. Me yeah. and you, we've been in the housing uh, industry for, for two decades plus. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're like, this, that's not going to work. Oh, no, 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 no. I got a degree. Look at the wall. <laughs> I went to school for this. Did, have they ever called you? No. They ever called me? Hey, out there in your profession, when these politicians come up, with a plan to fix a problem, could be housing, could be anything. You're an expert. Maybe you're a. Maybe there's a plumbing problem. They ever call you as a plumber? No. Yeah, yeah. They just know because they know how to work PowerPoint. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they got some job in a, in, a, in, a, in a cubicle, right? Never works. But yet Nancy Pelosi can go to D.C. with no experience and 
I don't even know she's very particularly bright and have a 65% return last year. Did you get a 65% return? You know, we should talk to Glenn about that. Hey, Glenn, where's my 65% return? Right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know what it is. It's insider trading. Yeah. They have a meeting. Of course it is. And then boom, oh, oh, I sold right at the right time because I have a crystal ball. Maybe they have a time machine. I don't know. Be good to know. But yeah, then they pop, ban it. So some people are asking for, you know, trading to be banned. I don't know if they can do the insider trading anymore, but some people are calling for people to kind of divulge their stock portfolio while they're in office, Mm -hmm. which maybe at the higher level is a good idea. You you just can't make trades because no matter what you do, you're going to be privy to all kinds of insider knowledge. Yeah, right. And human nature is going to be hard to, uh, you know, not do that. Right. Right. As is shown time and time again. There is an an act um, out there um, or a proposed bill that is stalled in Congress. It, It can't, hasn't approved, hasn't been approved, right? And it's called the, it's from Josh Hawley, Senator Josh Hawley. He introduced it uh, in just last year. Preventing, hear me out here. Listen, listen to this. Preventing elected leaders from owning securities and investments. So take the P, E, L, O, S-I. It's called the Pelosi Act. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why it didn't pass. <laughs> That's pretty I cool. I got through the PEL when you were saying it, and yeah. then I, did, I, I couldn't follow the rest of it. So. Okay. Preventing elected, elected leaders, leaders from owning Securities and Investments Act, uh, oh. the Pelosi Act. It has not passed, surprisingly. <laughs> it has not passed yet. There's uh, nothing else. Hopefully they get a good laugh out of it. Yeah, yeah. So this article goes on. Longtime Democrat Congresswoman, 83, got a 65% return on her investments in 2023, well over double the S&P 500's overall uh, 24% gain. Yeah, that that is well over double. Yeah. Just my basic math. I don't even know if Pelosi could figure that one out. So, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Amazing. Hmm. It's amazing wow. that America, yeah. you know, just we won't wake up to this and, and the corruption the blatant in-your-face corruption. But no, she's just a genius. Here's a few more corruptible things, just some headlines I I pulled. This one's on Fox News. Democrat mayor accused of blatant corruption, wild stunts likened to TV show Parks and Recreation. Um, So there's corruption there. Just doing headlines here. Um, Here's another one. Which one is that? I don't know. Oh. I'm just doing headlines, so I don't look further than that. Homeland Homeland Insecurity, TSA director arrested on charges of exploiting elderly relative with dementia. So there's just a couple. Yeah. There's just a couple. Um, but don't worry, the politicians will fix it. I already see here in Arizona. Uh, again, going back to the Sedona issue we were talking about yesterday, how, and I think I said specifically that this will be the year. Did I say it on radio or did I say it to you privately? I can't remember now. But I was saying this will be the year that politicians start um, yelling and stumping on affordable housing. Mm-hmm. They always do it on a local level. That's right. always yeah. the, the, the yeah. cry for many communities. Flagstaff, my dad always loves to point out, you know, when we started coming to Flagstaff in the 80s, that the headline in the paper at the time was uh, City Council Tackles Affordable Housing or something like that, mm-hmm. right? It's still still the headline. Yeah. They're still tackling yeah. affordable housing. When do you say, please go tackle something else because obviously you suck. Yeah, right. And that's how after- How many city councils have come yeah. and gone since then and still haven't fixed it? Yeah, how many mayors, how many city yeah. councils, right? You're never, ever, ever, ever going to fix the affordable housing issue in Flagstaff. 
or in Sedona, for example. Because it's they, not they'll happen. get some project going or something, yeah. but, but the, the stock is still way too low. Oh, and by the time that project gets completed, maybe it, that is quote unquote affordable housing. Yeah. But they, they're still behind. They'll never be able to catch up. Yep. Yep. So now that's always been the cry because that's something that affects everyone locally. So when you elect your council member or your mayor, there is a constituency, a large constituency say, Hey, I'm having trouble. And I get that. I'm not trying to bash it. Hey, you're paying two, $3,000 a month for rent, or you're trying to get into the housing market in Flagstaff now. And you realize your payment's going to be $4,000 a month. It sucks, you know, yeah, and it's, yeah. it is a matter of timing and the boat sailed. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were up in Glacier, Montana mm-hmm. last year, a couple of years ago. And I was looking at stuff. And I was like, wow, this place is really awesome. And I quickly looked at some real estate and at the prices. And I was like, well, huh, I missed it by 20 we're, years. We're too late. I yeah. missed it by 20 years. Yeah. And that's the case in Flagstaff. Maybe not 20 years because after, you know, 2008, there was a time period up until about f- really 14 or 15 mm-hmm. or even maybe a little more that you could, you could get in and interest rates were really low, but the ship has sailed. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying there isn't going to be a house correct housing corrections because there will be. But it'll still be a much more expensive relative to the rest of Arizona. It's still going to be. Yeah. Uh, right now, if a home is $700,000 in Flagstaff, you can get a $400,000 home in Phoenix probably. That's decent. Right. right. You know, even if it went down to five hundred in Flagstaff, then you could get one for two fifty in yeah. Phoenix or yeah. three hundred. dollars That's why so like many that. people move there. So, yeah, it's not the responsibility of government to provide housing or to make an area affordable yeah, for or people. Yeah, manipulate anything yeah. in the market. You're asking them, constituents that are asking people, politicians, to address affordable housing are asking the politicians to interfere with the free market. Right. And even worse, a lot of the reasons why housing is expenses, a lot of the costs are government cost and government related. I mean- The regulations, the permits, the costs of, of just getting your foot in the door- on building something it's, is astronomical. It's astronomical. I mean, there's always a market force there. There's rarity and scarcity of land. Mm-hmm. But then again, in the West, a lot of the scarcity of land is created by government. You like Flagstaff because it's not Phoenix and you're surrounded by force. We went over the numbers yesterday of how sparsely populated Coconino County is. Mm-hmm. And Flagstaff, that's maybe the Flagstaff area, a couple hundred square miles, uh, is a tiny rounding error of what the rest of Coconino County is, but mostly surrounding Flagstaff is national forest and or state land, BLM, BLM land, federal mm-hmm. land, et cetera, et cetera. That's all taken off the books by government. And you might say, well, I don't want it developed. And it's like, that's fine. Then you're admitting you like Flagstaff the way it is with all the open space surrounding it, right. all the, all yeah. the you know, largest contiguous ponderosa, you know, forest in, in the world. If you really wanted affordability, you have to be honest. You have to say, okay, we got to mow down a bunch of trees. Yeah, right. I right. mean, that, that's how yeah. you would get affordability in Flagstaff. Yeah. Do you want the that? The city could sell some of their land, yeah. but every time they're oh. like, oh, no, 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 oh, no, that's no, open I, space. I take we, my pictures there because there's beautiful yeah. sunflowers. We can't do that. Okay, you like it? Okay, you, well, yeah. the city. Then deal with you know, it. You don't want to sell off your land? Yeah. Well, but, you know, but then admit that you don't. Want the affordable housing. Yeah. Like that's you a, say you do. That's a desirability issue which people want to live here for. So the government keeps all the land cobbled up and that artificially holds the prices down. That's yeah. the bottom line. Right. Go, 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 they, go, go drive through all the, you know, in Oklahoma in the panhandle and you'll see all the open um, private land there. It's hundreds of dollars an acre. 
Yeah. Yeah. If you want that, that's fine. That's how you get cheaper housing. If right. you don't, then, then stop whining. And when they come up with some kind of program to help people with Ugh. down payment assistance or this, that, and the other thing, it just doesn't help enough people. No, it and help it's only people. the select lucky few that get it. Yeah, it's and the, the photo other ops. people just, yeah, it's, and that's what's not fair about the whole thing yeah. is their solution is, well, we're just going to help And people. somebody else is paying for it. Again, yeah. it's, they're solving problems they caught. They're trying to solve a problem government caused by taking money from other people already in the market or whatever through through taxation. So anyway, what I was saying was it's always been a local concern. It'll continue to be that. And politicians will keep saying they're going to fix affordable housing. They will not. But I said yesterday on the program, I think, at least I was thinking it, um, that you are going to see a more statewide legislative approach and push. uh, So a a carpet bombing effect and nationally, you're going to see the, the, Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's usually national security and the border and, uh, you know, you name it. The, the I big have national, to listen back, but I'm pretty sure Carrie Lake on one of her interviews with you. Said housing. Said something about affordable housing. Yeah. And not, that was for when she was running for governor. No, 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 no. You, got, you cannot. And, yeah. and I know de- now the Democrats have a plan. Uh, they have bills already put in the hopper because the legislative session is going to open here soon. Put in a hopper to address the Arizona housing crisis, so statewide. Well, then so, Hobbs already put yeah, in. Yeah, Hobbs has got yeah. it in. Um, the Democrats are now putting it in, and we've got to address this through cottages. We've got to address this through um, uh, incentives, and you know, which means money goes from one person to another, yeah, one group to right. another, whatever it may be. But my prediction is more and more Republicans are going to start crying it too because it equals votes. Yeah, housing right. is is a huge problem. But now that you're going to see it on the statewide level and the federal level. The not just the Democrats and the left getting in on the gravy train of of, of votes by saying they're going to fix housing. Mm-hmm. You're going to see that the Republicans, some other yeah. Republicans do it as well. And mark my words, none of them will fix it. They'll only make the problem worse. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. only going to make the problem worse. Just wait. There'll be a housing correction. Yeah. And, oh, and, sure. be, and be prepared there is, for that. Yeah. All right. Love to hear from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. A uh, good way to save money is to go to Just Wireless right there on Milton Avenue as I-17 comes into Flagstaff to get your existing smartphone repaired. If your battery's getting zapped, especially in the cold weather, you get it out and it's like full charge and it goes down to red like in three minutes, your battery's just gone. Mm-hmm. Just Wireless can replace that battery on just about any smartphone out there, plus crack screens, things like that, charging ports. And they also have a great line of refurbished smartphones right there in their shop. Stop on by, refurbished uh, smartphones, save a ton of money, uh, plus all the accessories as well. Check them out, justwirelessaz.com. Back in a minute. Hey, if you're listening to the podcast, please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there. If you're not listening to the podcast, subscribe. Look up the Jeff Orbit Show. Also on video, Rumble, follow us there. And on YouTube, subscribe. We appreciate everyone who's done that. You're listening to the Jeff Orbit Show. If you need to get your home refinanced, call Kim Dawson at Nova Home Loans. Uh, Kim Dawson knows the market right here in northern Arizona, and Nova Home Loans is Arizona's largest privately owned mortgage lender. They make local decisions like a bank, and because they're also a broker, Kim Dawson and Nova Home Loans has access to all the best programs. Uh, Kim's also able to do the consolidation loan, so if you have a home already, maybe you have super high interest rate credit card debt, talk to her about that. She might be able to save you a ton of money. Mention the Jeff Orvitz Show. And get $250 off the 
lender's fee at closing. Here's Kim's number, 928-310-6458. 928-310-6458. Or go online to novahomeloans.com slash Kim Dawson. Kim Dawson, NMLS 697411, Nova Home Loans, NMLS 3087, BK number 090242. Equal housing opportunities subject to credit approval. Terms and conditions may apply. Welcome back. Angela here with me. I guess the storm's coming. You're going to dodge yeah, out on this I one. I will miss that one. Oh, too bad. What's Mediterranean weather like? Yeah, it's going to be 50s and 60s for the high. Oh, wah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I wish it was warmer than that, but well, that's okay. Well, going in January. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, that's why we decided to stay in the southern area. I mean, as far as eating grapes. Italy. <laughs> Oh, we were going to Athens either way, but it, Rome. Bring me some olives. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but don't don't do it if it's adding too much weight. Yeah. Just ship home a barrel. I mean, me and Oak could pop home. those things all day. Yeah. Love he was eating them yesterday. And grapes. He'd probably yeah. love to see have some grapes from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess a winter storm. This is as of right now. This may change. So um, I'm on National Weather Service. Um, cold. It's looking like late Saturday into early Monday. Uh, it, it, I wonder if we're getting into this pattern again, like Snowbageddon in yeah, 2023. Yeah. It's oddly reminiscent of Yeah, all of a sudden, right after Christmas, like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. These things can, can die out suddenly. The snow going to be down low, and that's, that's Camp Verde range. I'm that's seeing snow levels range. at 3,500 feet, one to three inches. Um, yeah. You know, it's just global warming. It's crazy because I, I mean, I remember a time when Camp Verde didn't get much. It was like once every five years. It's like every year we've been getting like an inch or two down there. <laughs> yeah. They canceled school one time last year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, above 3,500, one to three inches. So that's Camp Verde. That's Cottonwood. It's basically mm-hmm. lower, lowest areas in northern Arizona. Freeze warnings all over the place in, in the Phoenix area. Mm-hmm. Um, Above 5,500, so you're talking Prescott and all those areas, three to eight inches. And then above 7,500, which is sketchy if that's Flagstaff or not, um, very well could be eight to 12 inches hmm. of snow. And then it's supposed to be, so that's the heaviest snow is supposed to be like um, on Sunday. So I'll have to get, because I got to go to Camp Freddy. I'm going to get the um, tractor and a mm-hmm. dump trailer uh, from American Trailer, the one I just bought. Mm-hmm. They did a great job. I'm, I'm happy with that and just dump some snow. I'm just going to move snow around the neighborhood. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe just bring it down to that cul-de-sac and just dump it there where the city does it. Yeah, that's where they. Oh, do. I, I'm, I'm just kidding, city. I'm not. Yeah. Gonna, I have a bureaucrat with a clipboard I showing know, up at the door, watching. Mr. Orvitz, did you move that snow? <laughs> <laughs> Why no, bureaucrat? <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, watch out there, especially if you're new, because it can hit quick. Yeah. Well, I forty yeah. was closed the other night. I know, and I mean, fast. we just got a little bit of snow the other night, but it's still here and it's still in the road. It's still in the trees, it's like icy in the shade and stuff. Still, yeah, it's not going to go anywhere now. Yeah, I guess not. It'll be All there right. for a while. Well, get on out and um, and I actually um, I'm going to be visiting Namarco's Pizza at least once next week when you're gone. <laughs> it's going to be dinner. It's a good dinner though. I mean, it's like I get a pizza and some wings, some yeah. um, what's that called um. The buffalo bread. Buffalo bread. And Isabel, well, she worked at Namarco's. Her last day was yesterday. I know. And she brought home a couple of wings. Well, she's hoping to get her job back when she's back in, Ju- yeah. in May. Oh, can I have my job back? <laughs> she bring home that buffalo bread, though, and you get the spicy mix. Yeah. And man, whew, it's got some 
It's got some punch to it. Yeah. You know? Uh, but anyway, Namarco's Pizza, get some great pizza. Voted best pizza and wings in Flagstaff. Craft beers, they got three locations to serve you throughout, scattered throughout Flagstaff. And you can also order online for curbside pickup or delivery. But don't count on delivery during the middle of a snowstorm. Yeah. Have some plan. Maybe just buy a pizza in advance and buy it today and maybe tomorrow. Yeah, I think they make those ones that are like half baked kind of thing and you oh, can really? take it to go and then bake it in your oven. Okay. So I, I yeah. Think so. Yeah, if you plan on getting delivery on Sunday, um maybe pick no it up no. Saturday yeah. and then cook it. Yeah. Namarkaspizza.com. Hang tight, back in a minute. Hey, if you're listening to the podcast, please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there. If you're not listening to the podcast, subscribe. Look up The Jeff Orbit Show. Also on video, Rumble, follow us there. And on YouTube, subscribe. We appreciate everyone who's done that. Listening to the Jeff Orovitz Show. This is the Jeff Orovitz Show. All right, let's uh, round out the week on this gem, this milestone for America. Something that took two plus centuries to accomplish. You know, we we hit what a trillion dollars of national debt in the 1980s, sometime something mm-hmm. like that, and since then. 1980s weren't that long ago, as far as history goes. Uh, since then, we've been able to accumulate an additional $33 trillion in national debt. We'll get to that here in just a second. And I'd love to hear from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. That's talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Don't forget, if you get a rock shipping and windshield, to call Diamond Auto Glass first. Here's their number. Get that taken care of fast, especially with all those cinders out there and more snow and ice to come. Diamond Auto Glass, 928-779-4140. That's 928-779-4140. Or go to thedifferenceisclear.com. Okay, so like I said, $34 trillion, that's the national debt. That's the federal government. What you could say, the feds owe, mm-hmm. but it's what we owe, right? the taxpayers of well, America. And I remember when you started this show, I believe it was January 2nd, almost seven of, or eight years to the day, yeah. 2017, it was in the low 20s. Yeah, I want to say it was 21 or 22. Yeah. I'll pull those charts. And, and what was I doing? Oh, well, talking about Ringing the, the bell. Debt, we were like, <laughs> oh, no, it's tw- it's 22, over 20, 22 trillion. whatever trillion. And and it, however long it took to get to that number. And we're at 34 now. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I haven't done the math on what percentage that increase that is in seven years. But that's well, it's it's close to it's close to, you know, it's probably tw- um, close to 50 percent. Close to yeah, I mean, 40, quite, 40, 50 percent increase no, yeah, in just the seven years. It's accelerating. Look, back in the, again, I'll have to look this up, but back maybe during the 80s, it was below a trillion. Mm-hmm. It's below a trillion. It took when, a long time yeah, to get to the 20 level, exactly. and now it's like rising exponentially. And when we reached a trillion, it was like, whoa, this yeah. is crazy. Yeah. And here we are all these years later, and we're now at 34, and it's growing exponentially i i think it's it's getting to the point where we just start calling it a a debt spiral and i'll get to that just in a few minutes i don't see a way out and i've been pounding on this for like you said we're going into our eighth year here on the program we posted that up at talkwithjeff.com yesterday before that when i got involved with politics and stuff 
I was pounding on it then. Mm-hmm. I've been talking about this forever. Nobody cares. I do sense, though, that some more people are caring than did back in 2017. Not enough, but I do hear people saying, e, this is kind of becoming a big problem. I know, but, but any solution is the any realm of solutions, if any, are getting smaller and smaller yeah. by the day. Yeah. I mean, the, the options are just not there of what to do versus seven years ago, 20 years ago, whatever. We, we had more done so much yeah, more. We, and that's, that's what I've been warning about because this will be addressed at some point, one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, this will affect every American. It already does, but it'll affect them in, in an in-your-face manner at some point. And that could come at any time. Uh, and then it'll have to be dealt with, but the avenues to deal with this are diminishing greatly. So go to debtclock.org. Um, let me make sure I got that actually correctly. Um, I put a link here to debtclock within talkwithjeff.com. Yeah, I got a, I got a link up at talkwithjeff.com in the post so you can go there and you can see how everything is just spinning totally out of control when it comes to, um, our national debt. And it goes, it has all kinds of lines in there to tell you how much we're spending for Medicare, Social Security, uh, and also national defense, and then interest payments on the national debt. Those are the four big slices of the pie when it comes to the federal expenditures. Uh, the biggest one is still Social Security and Medicare, and the next biggest one is uh, national defense at about... I would call it close to $900 billion a year that we're spending on national defense. Uh, if you add all those numbers up, especially the social, social security and you add up the Medicare, those are, that's, that's, I've, I've gone over this many times. That's mandatory spending. And what I mean by that is your illustrious members of Congress have no control over it. It's they, they signed off control of that years ago. Uh, through legislation, enabling act that allows the expenditures just to happen. So when the government shuts down, still keep spending. Yeah. People when the country goes broke, their Medicare still keep visits spending. Yeah. And their social Because their mind was, we don't want any politicians touching this. We don't want it. But, but what they weren't thinking, and I know a lot of you are in Social Security, Medicare, and this and that. Uh, but at some point, you're going to have to look at the, the meat here because there's not enough money. Those numbers right there add up to, I think it's like $3 trillion if you add up Medicare and Social Security alone. Then if you add in, those those are two are mandatory expenditures. It would take two-thirds of the Senate to get rid of that. And that's never going to happen mm-hmm. because they all have constituencies that they have to answer to when it comes to, to, to voting, to mm-hmm. staying in power, which is all these politicians actually care about. Right. So they're yeah. never going to change the formulas on Social Security, Medicare. And I'm talking about people maybe that are my age, maybe younger people that are like, we've written it off. And we're not counting we're on We're not that. counting on this. How do we pay for the current obligations without going broke, which we are going broke, and figuring out a way to phase out those obligations so the country doesn't go further broke. But we can't even do it because it's all mandatory spending. Right. And like you said, there it's, it won't be changed. It will I mean, not. Yeah. It would not take a catastrophic yeah. event to no, change that yeah. because every decision that they make, the, the second um, part of the, their thinking is how will this affect my mm-hmm. reelection? And that's, that's really the most important thing I think is not, is it good for the country or whatever is how will this affect, yeah. how will this decision affect my re-election. reelection? That's all they care about. And they base, I, I'm positive that they base a lot of their decision-making on that 
as the number one factor. Oh, I would say most of them base all of their decisions on, on that. Number one yeah. on how, yeah, how am I going to get reelected? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have U.S. and it's usdebtclock.org, just to get it correct here. Um, so the amount of money being spent on Medicare and Medicaid is let's call it one point seven trillion dollars. Social Security is one point three trillion dollars. Now, there's people out there that actually believe they paid into Social Security. And that money was put in a, a lockbox, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, yeah, there, like there are actually like their names. And yeah, their there are actually somewhere. people. Yeah. Believe, it's gone. Yeah. They've been there. It's all gone. It's not there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so right there, that's $3 trillion. Then you add on the other thing that isn't a mandatory spending item, but it is the interest on the national debt. Just a few years ago, pre-COVID, I think it was three hundred billion something dollars a year, which is extraordinary, mm-hmm. a, a big figure. Now it's the number, interest rates going up. The interest and, rates yeah. have gone up. Now it's gone. It's about let's call it seven hundred and twenty um, billion dollars is the interest on the national debt right now. Uh, about a hundred billion dollars behind defense, which is about eight hundred and fifty billion dollars. It's going to surpass that. Here's the thing that's about to happen that is happening. Even though interest rates may be cooling down a little bit, most a lot of the debt, trillions and trillions of dollars of the, 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 the treasury debt out there that the government has issued is, is coming due, you know, every month, every, over the next year. That's all being issued at a far higher rate. We're going to go over a trillion dollars on this interest on the national debt real soon. It's going to surpass, um, our, our national defense budget. Right. Yeah. Real soon. Well, and not only is the interest payments affecting it and it's going to be higher because of that, but every spending package they do, is adding on the debt because yeah, they don't yeah. have the money. It's all on debt. Yeah, it's all it's, borrowed money. It's, it's all borrowed. Well, four point five trillion of it. Okay, so so the federal budget's about six point five trillion. I'm rounding the figures here to make it easy, right? Uh, the federal government taxes us, and their revenue, their income, is about four point five trillion dollars. And by the way, in my in my post at talkwithjeff.com, I explained this as. This is easy stuff. This is back in a napkin with a crayon yeah, stuff. Yeah, we could ask Owen, our 11-year-old. Any idiot could, could do, do this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is, and these guys can't, they, they either refuse to do it. They probably have big 50-page documents that they spend a fortune to do it. You could do this on a napkin or in the, uh, the writing on the wall like that one singer once said. Who's that? <laughs> you don't remember. I can still read the writing on the wall. No. Anyway, you'll think of it, and then you'll be like, <laughs> I should have known that. Somebody yeah. knows it right now. Anyway, um, Six point five trillion is expenditures. Four point five trillion is the income. You got a two trillion dollar deficit. I've gone over this so and many times. And they spend more than that because they pass all kind. Oh, we got to yeah, do all, the, all kinds of stuff outside you know, Inflation that. Reduction Act and you know all yeah. that garbage. Yeah, that just adds more onto the two trillion they're already short. Yeah, so it's it's becoming it has become for a long time an unfixable thing because the politicians will never cut things that need to be cut. Uh, they are taking in what they're spending at this point. Just about they're you know they're spend. I'm sorry. They're the we're mandatory the yeah. mandatory spending yeah. is sucking up is what I meant to say. The mandatory spending is sucking up the the income coming in. So they would have to just to bounce the budget. Raise the taxes by two trillion dollars. They would have to raise taxes by about fifty percent. That's an economy wrecker. Yeah. And they wouldn't be allowed to spend no more money to Ukraine and no yeah, more. You, can do any you, know, of that. You, you wouldn't be able to spend any other Which money. Which is fine. I, I, well, yeah, I'd that's like fine. Sp- I'm just yeah. saying that, that that's the, what keeps happening, though, is they're spending even more than their budget. Yeah, here's the deal. Here, here's the avenues I see uh, going forward. I, I want to get a group of people in there that actually wants to go cut things, but I'm realistic enough to know that you're not going to cut much below probably $5.5 trillion at this point. So they still have a 
no matter what, a trillion dollar mm-hmm. deficit problem. So then what are they going to do? Go in there and raise taxes by a trillion? But then the, it just stops the deficit spending from going increasing, mm-hmm. uh, the national mm-hmm. debt from increasing at that point. You still got to pay that off. What if interest rates go high? Uh, so what are they going to do? I mean, increase taxes a bunch? Drastically do uh, cuts to Social Security and everything? I don't see that. Uh, I think they're going to print their way out of it. I think they're just going to print a bunch of money. Uh, you look, the economy is supposedly good right now. Which is kind of a joke because you've been at a grocery store, right? Yeah, I know. I mean, you've been out. You've been you've been paying your your rent and you know trying to buy your a insurance. car and this and that. And you're, you're, oh yeah, you, you, Angela got insurance notice. You just shocked at how much. Not our Allstate plan. Not our Allstate. Allstate's done great. Yeah, it's a different one. Shop your insurance, right, uh, people. I mean, it's it's crazy how much of an increase we got on a, on a rental property. But anyway, everything's going up, so the economy ain't that good. But let's say when it really gets bad, what are they going to do? What are the politicians going to do? They're going to offer, uh, uh, you know, incentives again. More assistance. More assistance. Yeah. They're going to offer uh, stimmy checks. They're going to do mm-hmm. that again and increase. So I, I don't see how we get out of this at this point. I think the roads have closed in and you just got to hunker down and get through it. I mean, eventually it'll default through inflation uh, or just straight up default. The mm-hmm. U.S. government could say like Argentina, hey, we're just not going to pay it. Mm-hmm. That could happen. It's happened time and time again. You know, yeah, and it's yeah, this it big debt jubilee that happens. But then you're, you know, you got cash in the bank or something, it's ruined. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. I don't see this. I don't see the solutions at this point other than to hunker down. Um, you know, I'm kind of preparing for both inflation and deflation at this point. I know that sounds kind of silly, but um, I don't know which way it could go because we could see like massive asset prices crash for a while before they decide to pump a bunch of money into the mm-hmm. system again. So in that scenario, and I, I, I'm not your financial advisor, so don't do my plan. But in that scenario, you have some cash to buy up the things that people are selling at 10 cents on the dollar. Yeah. You know, but that's right. pretty sad, right? Or, yeah, I just don't know if they'll let that happen I, well, they, because that's, they're so scared of, of the repercussions of that that they won't let it happen. I think it could happen in the short term until they juice it because, uh, you know, people think, think 2008, things like that. Right. And then all of a sudden they juice it and then we get massive inflation again because they're, they're pumping a bunch of money. Yeah, the think, bailouts like COVID, and all that $9 trillion stuff, yeah. from COVID. Then all of a sudden you get massive asset inflation once again and massive consumer inflation. So, you know, stuff you buy uh-huh. at the store that you need to live with every day it's a really bad situation and i i see people it it'll it it, it, i feel good that some people are recognizing it finally after all these years but i also get very concerned because there's an old saying about going bankrupt you know it happened really slow really slow until it happened really fast at the end you know because you're able to kind of keep it together you transferring money here you're borrowing from this you're doing this scheme and that scheme and then all of a sudden at some point you never know when that point triggers all of a sudden, it's like, boom, the walls close yeah, in really fast. Yeah. Okay, if you're getting hungry like me, head on out to Sportsman's Bar and Grill. I don't know if they have any gyros. Do they have gyros there or gyros? Uh, do they have one? I have to go check the menu. Sure Maybe when you get back from yeah. Greece, you can go over and, and say, hey, I've got the secret recipe here. <laughs> yeah. I do know they've got uh, something that you'll probably miss, which is I don't think you're going to get wings over there. You can get great wings yeah, probably not. at Sportsman's Bar and Grill. I don't think you're getting a Philly cheesesteak. No. No. I don't think so. Hey, don't try to talk about the Italian food you're going to get. <laughs> I know I can you tell can you get things I am going to yeah, get. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to know about but that. But let's, let's keep it real for, for me and the rest of everyone listening who's, you know, 
not going to get some good Italian food. I'm grinding on you. I know. Well, all I've heard about for the last three days is the food and I'm the so gelato. Glad. I'm and... actually so glad that she's able to take, that she can take Isabella. Yeah. And that Isabella has this opportunity to do it and that she worked hard to keep her grades up. Yeah. You know, and, and qualified for the exchange course and also saved up her own money mm-hmm. and worked hard. To help for get herself a long there. time yeah. to, to get herself there and also pay for the housing and all that and to buy her gyros. Anyway, Sportsman's <laughs> Bar and Grill. Um, that's where we'll be next week as well as one of our meal plans. Um, <laughs> taking advantage of their great daily specials, including Taco Tuesday, including Wing Wednesday. It might be all of them. And, uh, yeah, he might be there more than mini, once. Mini sliders on Thursdays. You head on over there, uh, Sportsman's Bar and Grill, just north of downtown Flagstaff, but not in downtown Flagstaff. It's up there in the Basha Shopping Center, so they have plenty of parking there. Sportsman's Bar and Grill, a place where I'll be eating dinner <laughs> for next week plus. <laughs> head on over there. Get a great drink, too. Great drink specials. You might need those, too. Yeah, back in a minute. listening to the podcast please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there if you're not listening to the podcast subscribe look up the jeff orbit show also on video rumble follow us there and on youtube subscribe we appreciate everyone who's done that this is the jeff orbit show Well, remember with the snow coming and if you want to kind of hide from that and you're like, I don't want to shovel and it's going to close the world out and you want to save some energy from all the loss that happens through your windows with their like R4 value or something, R2, whatever Mark said the other day. Call the Blind Brothers, the best out there servicing all of northern central Arizona. Blind Shutters and Shades, 928-634-2423. The Blind Brothers, 928-634-2423. Or you can visit them online at theblindbrothers.com. All right, yeah. So, Angela, that storm's coming. You're out of here in a a few minutes here and doing the red eye there. It's probably the best way to head over there because – you can try to sleep when you fly late at night, eat a little something, and then you wake up and it's like, I don't know, late morning or something. Yeah. Early afternoon mm-hmm. and when you land in London and you just try to stay awake. Yeah. Until, and, when and adjust to no- their time. We arrive in Rome at um, 6 o'clock Saturday p.m. And so it'll be just enough time to get some dinner and then go crash. And hopefully yeah. the next day you feel good. <laughs> get some fine Italian food. Yeah. You probably won't feel like it though. You'll be all like, I need something really light. Like Maybe, but. She did as my last meal make <laughs> Zuppa Toscana. Yeah. And there's plenty of leftovers. She's rolling her eyes. <laughs> I'm not making you feel bad. I'm just grinding on you a little bit. <laughs> I have Italian food here. You have soup. Zuppa Toscana. Yeah. They probably don't even have that over there. No, probably not. All right. Well, we'll, we'll try to get I'll a report you know. from you while you're there. I'll try and find it. I hope you all have a great, safe weekend. Watch the, the snow coming. Watch those pipes, too. Yeah. It's going to be cold. All right. Take care. See you soon.
Thanks for listening to the Jeff Orbit Show. Portions of this show may be pre-recorded. And remember, the information provided on the show does not constitute legal, medical, financial, or tax advice. All information is the opinions of the host and his guests. You should always seek the advice of a professional regarding any of these complex issues to make sure all circumstances of your situation are properly considered. Remember to catch the podcast by looking up The Jeff Orbit Show on your favorite podcast provider, including places like Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and more. Also available on Rumble and on YouTube. Just look up Orvitz, O-R-A-V-I-T-S. And remember, the show streams Monday through Friday at 4.06 p.m. right up at talkwithjeff.com. Also available on FM on 97.1 FM, the big talker throughout northern Arizona, and 107.9 FM in the Prescott area.